Hosting for Your Tech Life, proudly provided by Web Central. Everything technology, from computers to mobile phones, TVs and the internet. Information you want, want all the help you need. Your Tech Life with Trevor Long. Hello. Episode 246. You know I could make that up. But then, the interesting thing is here, I don't delete the old ones. You could listen to them all. <laughs> uh, I have had emails, and thank you to those people who um, say they've just discovered the show and they're listening to the back catalogue. I'm not sure listening to, what is that now, four or five-year-old tech would be that entertaining, but I must listen back, actually. I've never really listened to a full show, if I'm honest. But it'd be interesting to see how weird it is to listen to me talking about new Blackberries and stuff. Anyway, thank you for listening. Thank you for downloading. You can go to the website eftm.com.au to get in touch uh, anytime you like. Or you can call 1-800-157-157. Free call. And um, leave a message. I'll um, come back to you when I'm recording and we'll have a chat. Try and help you with your questions about technology, problem with technology. doesn't matter. Uh, that's what I'm here for. Uh, that's what the show is all about. If I didn't do that, I wouldn't have anything to talk about. And we have got a few things to talk about tonight. We're going to talk about software on the Mac. We're going to talk about Wi-Fi radios. We're going to talk about router passwords. Um, we're also going to talk electronic payments. We're going to talk security. We're going to talk golf. We're going to talk smartphones. Uh, and low-cost smartphones at that. All thanks to the good people at Garmin, Garmin Satellite Navigation GPS Technologies. Uh, thank you to them for their continued support, and uh, you can get in touch with them at garmin.com.au. But most importantly, you can find me on Twitter, at Trevor Long. You can uh, join Your Tech Life on Twitter, at Your Tech Life, and you can jump on the Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash EFTM online. Uh, that's as easy as it comes here on Your Tech Life. So I mentioned kind of mid to late in the last show, so I wanted to bring it up early. Um, and we might be running out of time here. But uh, And I'll talk about Garmin later, but the, the idea of the Garmin Golf Watch um, excites me because I can't get onto a golf course because I just don't have time, but I don't mind the golf driving range. And there's a great one. Um, in the north of Sydney near me at Thornley. And I'd love for a few people to come along. Um, Garmin have agreed, let's let's do it. Um, in fact, let's give away a watch. Let's give away an Approach S6 Golf Watch. This is a watch that has all the courses in it, swing, tempo, measurement. It helps you with your swing. But what, what, we're not going to do it unless people want to come. So I, got, I think I've got a couple of messages. So if you are interested... Just and this is not to this is not signing up, but this is just to get me to do it. I need to see your tweets. I need to see your Facebook message. I need to see your emails. Let's do golf. Let's make that the hashtag. Let's do golf. Uh, tweet me at Trevor Long. Let's do golf. Um, it'll be in August, um, probably early August, so not far away. In fact, that's weeks away. Uh, so it'll be soon. If I get enough this week, I'll make it happen. Um, but I'm not going to do it if I only get two or three messages because I, mean, I want to get, you know, 10 or 15 people. It'd be great. Um, I can give you free uh, free balls to hit all night. Um, plus, we'll, we'll, you know, I think Garmin will give away a watch. So if you're interested, um, tweet me, email me, whatever. Uh, if I get enough interest, I will coordinate and make it happen at uh, the Thornley Golf Centre, which is just a stunning driving range 
You have to see it uh, for yourself to check it out. Uh, this is Your Tech Life. My name's Trevor Long. Thanks for listening. Thanks for downloading. Let's get on with calls. Your Tech Life with Trevor Long. Thank you for listening. Your Tech Life is the name of the show. My name's Trevor Long, and you can get me at eftm.com.au, eftm.com.au, or you can call 1-800-157-157. Let's go to calls. G'day, Sally. Hello. What can I do for Thank you? Trevor. Yes, I have bought a Q2 internet radio. Q2? Which a Q2 internet okay. radio. Yes. Yeah. And because where we live in the Blue Mountains, you know, um, still framed house. I can't mm-hmm. get AM. Right. So I was listening to AM through a little HP Mini that I had, but mm-hmm. as it was XP, I'm now not wanting to use that. So mm-hmm. I obtained this internet radio. Yep. And I was able to get the two AM stations that I like to listen to, which is 2GB and 2UE. And 2UE. Yes. And... Suddenly, after a few weeks, 2UE has dropped off and I can't get it. I've uninstalled and reinstalled the program. Uh, What program? So where's the program? How does that work? uh, You do it online. So it's on your computer and the Q2... What does the Q2 do? Is it just is it just a speaker a for your computer? Yes, but is it a speaker for your computer? So is the computer got to be on when you're listening to the radio? No, no, no. It's a Wi-Fi setup. Mm-hmm. It's just to um, program the. Um, oh, the buttons on it, so it doesn't have a screen or anything. The on buttons it? on it, you have to have. You know, this way is 2UE, and this way is 2GB. Oh, right. See, a lot of Wi-Fi radios have. Uh, you know, a little screen on them and dials, and you can actually, you know, use them to tune and find the stations, you know, on the internet. Whereas what you're saying is this one, you connect to your computer, you tell it what you want it to do, and then it works. Yes, you you do it through a USB cord and then the computer. And, and, and then I any, can take you, it away and yes. I can... Did you get any warning? Anyway. That, did you get any warning or did it tell you we just stopped working? It just suddenly stopped working. And when you plug it into your computer and everything, there's no option for TU anymore, or it says that it should work and then it just doesn't. It says it should it should work. I even uh, it's actually a very cute little box. I know. I'm looking at it on the internet right now. What color did you get? Uh, the cream one with the green around the front. Yes. Very nice. Very nice. It is a nice little thing. I like the idea of it not having a screen and being functional. That's very good. Um, I think the um, I think what happens here is these companies uh, rely on another service, another another company, another another provider to tell them where all the radio stations are. You know, it's it's like it's not as easy as just being you know a frequency like nine five four or eight seven three. It's it's a whole website that they've got to got to know. They've got to know the address too. And it could be that to you we changed the the location of that website and didn't. And this company doesn't know. That'd be my guess. Um, Sally, I, I don't think there's anything that you specifically can do or have done. I think we need to reach out to the people at Q2. Have you had any luck with them at all? Have you tried them? Well, I sent them an email, mm-hmm. but um, at this point I haven't heard back. All right, well, leave it with me. Let me ask the question of them as well uh, and see whether we can uh, get a response in the next little while and then see whether that helps us um, you know, reconnect. Because it sounds to me like that's what they need to do. They just need to update the... Uh, the URL of the um, of the radio station and get it back again. So leave it with me. Let me contact Q2 and see whether we can uh, get them to update their system for you. 
that would be fabulous. Thank you so much. Considering it worked to start with, if I yeah. if I hadn't got it to start with, I would have. You would have just well, taken it back. Yes. Yes. Where'd you and get it from? I got my two stations. I was very happy. I was <laughs> very excited. Where did you get it from? Uh, online. Okay. And how much does it cost? Can it I was ask? Eighty eighty dollars postage free from UK. That's pretty good, isn't it? Do you have a smartphone, yes. Sally? No, I don't. Uh, I was going to say because there's some really good apps for um for getting radio stations, and then there's nice little speakers that you can get that stream from your phone. I was going to try and find an interim solution for you, but well, no. I, I actually can stream this through the little CD player I've got the speakers. I just connect this up so I get uh, a slightly better sound. Wow, okay, it's got an output too. That's cool. Yes. All right, leave it with me, Sally. Let's see what we can do for you. Thank you so much, Trevor. Good on you, and thanks for getting in touch. Bye-bye, Dan. You can get in touch as well. Just go to the website, eftm.com.au, or call one 157 Thank you for listening. Let's go to calls. G'day, Veronica. Hi, Trevor. How are you? Good. How can I help you? Well, I bought a new um, modem router. Um, I've upgraded. I've had the same uh, speed stream since 2006. All right. What'd you get? And so, uh, uh, Netgear. Um, it's the middle range. For, uh, the, it's 600, I think, is the number on uh, the end of it. 6300? Pardon? A D6300? No, I think it's... I don't know. I'll just look at the box. But... Oh, yeah, D600 could be, or a 30? Oh, D6200 Wi-Fi modem router. Oh, 6200, yeah, righty-o. But it's one of the nice new-looking ones. It's uh, quite a big... It can stand upright, very angled designs. Yeah, it stands upright. It's a lot bigger than what I had. And what what was the decision point behind that? Uh, uh... Oh, well, basically, you talk about Netgear all the time. I bought it because I listened to you. Right, well, let's hope it's working for you then. (laughs) What's your question then? Uh, well, my question is um, that it comes with a set SID and password. It does, yes. And I want to know if that's secure. I quite like it, to be perfectly honest. Uh, it's different from my old SID and password. Mm-hmm. Um, but I want to know how secure. You're always talking about, you know, um, passwords and they should be secure. But the, the book, the the actual book recommends you keep it. Yes. Yes. And look, you've, you've raised an excellent question because uh, there was a time when they would all ship with the same uh, generic kind of um, ID as well as a very simple password, which was, um, you know, often one, two, three, four, five, six or something like that. Um, yep. Now, I've noticed, and, you know, I get to see a lot of products, but I've noticed the Nikki ones have... Um, often a uh, rather obvious uh, SSID name. It might be Netgear 26. It might be something different. Yes. But the password is, uh, and I remember, and I've changed this one, but one of them was like Cheerful Raven. or It's like a combination of words and then some numbers, and it makes it easy to yes. remember but very difficult to, to get through, like a hacker wouldn't bother. Yes. Um, yes, you, the, exactly. the simple answer to your question is keep it because it's easy to remember. You've got it now, but it's safe. No one else in the world has that password. Uh, I live in a block of units, Trevor, and mm. I've um, there's 14 units in the block, yeah. uh, and there's quite a few Netgear. When I look at my little uh, the list, there's mm. quite a few Netgear. Yeah. So that, that's still secure, even those other people yeah. they wouldn't have that 
No, they wouldn't have that same password. Um, look, if you wanted to do something different, um, I do always change the SSID name um, because, well, you know, I like to personalize it for a start. I make mine like EFTM or something like that or, you know, Long Home. Um, but you can do a couple of things with that. You can also hide it so it's not actually displayed and it doesn't get oh, okay. broadcast. So, you know, if you've only got a limited number of devices and you've connected them all already and you don't have yeah. guests coming all the time who need your password and everything, you can actually, in the yeah. settings, there's a there's a button somewhere, don't quote me, but it's something like broadcast SSID. And if you untick that, when when you walk into your house with a, with a phone that's not connected to your network and you look for Wi-Fi, it won't show your network. If on that like phone that. you want to connect to your network, you'll notice an option on iPhones and other things that says um, choose another network, and that's when you type in manually the SSID name and the password. Okay. Um, so it's a good way of actually just making it so that people can't even see your network. Um, but okay. if you are going to differentiate and change the name of it but keep broadcasting it, you know, yes. keep it um, keep it generic so that it's probably in a block of units, so it's not entirely obvious yes. which apartment it's in and things like that. So, yes. or it is actually a good thing to keep it um, keep it pretty standard. Um, you may get a situation in a big big enough block that there might be two people with Netgear twenty six or something like that. Um, okay. That may cause some issues, but I, I doubt you'll have that issue happening. So, okay. bottom line, stick well, with I, it. Maybe think about changing think, the SSID. I think it's a good idea. Yeah. yeah, I like it the way it is. I yeah. didn't really want it. I just wanted to think if it was your opinion to keep it or change it. No, I, I personally, for you, I wouldn't. I wouldn't muck around with it. But if you wanted to dabble, I would either. I would either hide the broadcast or just change the name so it's unique but not identifying. Yeah. I, I don't think I even need to hide it. Really, I, I've nah. never had a problem with people taking any broadband from me. It's, yeah, and you know, the only other thing to do is just check your your um. Uh, internet usage on a regular basis. Every month, check your usage. Uh, if you're regularly using 50 gigabytes and then one month you suddenly use 100, ask yourself why. And if you didn't download a bunch of movies that month, perhaps mm. look at your network security and see whether someone might have gotten in. Yes. Easy exactly. done, Veronica. Easy. Thank All you right. so much. Good on you and enjoy that uh, that little router. It's a beautiful beauty. Well, it's certainly a lot faster than what I was used to. Oh, that's good. So you've noticed the Wi-Fi speeds in your home are better? Oh, my gosh, yes. Ah. My old one was overheating. It was still working. Yeah. I was still not having a problem with it, but it was just getting too hot to touch. So I thought that wasn't a good good thing. Well, I'm glad you sorted out now, Veronica. Good on you. Yep, I really like it. It's a great Netgear product. Good one. Thank thanks, you. thanks very much for getting in touch, Veronica. Oh, you're welcome. Cheers. Thank you, Trevor. And you can get in touch as well. Just go to the website, eftm.com.au. Talking technology without the jargon. Your, Your Tech, tech Life with Trevor Long. All right, uh, thanks to the good people at Garmin, Garmin Satellite Navigation, GPS Technologies, and don't forget the Vivo Fit. This is the fitness band that moves at the pace of your life. So if you're looking to track your, your movement, your steps, your, your heart rate, your sleep, and see what time it is, uh, check out the Garmin Vivo Fit. It's $159. Um, you can buy it online or uh, you can find it at um, all good uh, electronic-style retailers and maybe even sports retailers. Um, this is a band that learns your activity level and assigns you a personalized daily goal. Uh, it displays your steps, your calories, distance. It monitors your sleep, plays. It pairs with a heart rate monitor if you've got one. Uh, it has a one-year battery life, and I'm told that's unders. It'll be much more than that. Um, you can save, plan, and share your progress 
with the Garmin Connect community. So it's a great way because if you you know the active steps you can take, you can uh, improve your overall wellness today, tomorrow, and well into the future. Uh, it seems really simple to get out of the chair more often and move, but making it sticks what matters. So the VivoFit actually works with you on that. It, it pushes you with personalized daily goals. So don't just stick with your 10,000 steps. Get your 10,000 and find a new goal. Let VivoFit help you do that. And you can check it out at garmin.com.au. Now, McAfee, um, which is an Intel security company now, um, released some data this week about the use of the internet by tweens, teens, and technology. It's weird names, but the tweens are 8 to 12, the teens are 13 to 17. And um, I'm going to read you some of these stats direct off the data sheet because it's very interesting. Um, 88% of teens and tweens who understand that online activities can affect identity have taken measures to protect their identity. That's good. Um, those that have taken measures, 78% only communicate with or friend people who they know in real life. That to me is an excellent result. Um, I mean, obviously the numbers could and should be higher, but that's a good result. Excuse me. Um, 56% use privacy settings on social media to protect their location and content. But here's where it gets really interesting. Uh, and that, that's good. Yeah, we, we agree. That's that's good. However, 81% have witnessed cyberbullying of others, which is up from 56% a year earlier. 39% have themselves been cyberbullied. 15% have admitted to bullying others online. Uh, of those who have witnessed cyberbullying, 62% reported it generally to an adult. Um, you know, that's a worry, and I don't look forward to that conversations. I, I you know, like to think and I hope that I can have those conversations with my son and, and know what's going on, but, you know, it's hard. That, that I don't always want to talk about it. So the conversation is what matters. 83% of these kids respect the guidance on personal decisions um, and social media from their parents. <coughs> uh, excuse me, nine in 10 say that their parents trust them to make the right decisions. Yet the same number have taken, say their parents have taken steps to control their online behavior. 70% say their parents know some of what they're doing online, but not everything. <laughs> so there's a big gap there. <clears throat> Excuse me. There is also a staggering concern that there is a percentage, and I can't see it right here in front of me, but there is a percentage. Uh, one in five have tried to reinvent themselves online by trying to appear older. Twelve uh, percent have created a fake profile. Um, 
12, uh, another 6% um, are posting photos that are not their own. Half of young, half of young Australians have done or posted something risky online. So we've still got a long way to go. Now, that's a lot of stats, a lot of data. I just think what's important here is that you, as a parent, uh, need to remember that technology isn't the answer. Uh, you know, a software system that monitors and tracks won't help. It'll stop them, but they'll find a way. And then they won't talk to you about it because they don't trust you anyway. I'm not saying there's a way to, to make it work that's foolproof. But what I've learned and what I've seen and what I've been told um, is that the relationship, the communication is what matters. If you trust your children and you talk to your children, um, then they will trust you, more likely to trust you and talk to you. And I've got to be honest with you, um, if my kids are doing something online that's, you know, maybe not right, you know when it worries me? It worries me if they don't want to tell me when something bad's happening. So what you want most of all, it's for your kids to come to you when something's happening, like cyberbullying. What you want most of all is for your kids to understand that posting you know, inappropriate things isn't good in one day or 10 years. But it's a conversation you need to have. So consider that. Check it out. There's um, a lot of stories been written about that this week and um, a lot to report. And you can find those online. Uh, the Intel uh, report on kids and the internet. Well worth checking out. Um, let's hope that uh, we can improve those numbers over the time. And, and if you've got any questions, uh, as I said, I don't claim to be a genius in this area, but I'd love to, I'd love to chat about it. If, if we can find a way to, to help make this easier for other parents, then let's have that conversation. I might, in fact, I might talk to Alex Merton McCann, who is, um, I think, the McAfee's cyber mum. Uh, but I used to know Alex in a, in a previous life she had. Um, and it might be good to have a chat about that. So we might do that next week. But anyway, you are listening to Your Tech Life. I'd love to hear from you. Get in touch. Go to the website, eftm.com.au. Now, Rosalind Kogan this week announced uh, a sub-$230 4G smartphone. Now, he's done the Kogan Agora before. It was $149, then it was $199. Now it's $239. So it's going up in price, Rosalind. What's going on? But it's also uh, going up in spec. It's now a 4G phone. So the new Kogan Agora is a 4G phone, and it's been done in cooperation with BenQ. Uh, I don't quite get that. It's a very different thing for Kogan to do. He would normally go find a, a, a manufacturer and build it with his name on it. But, you know, working with BenQ adds a bit of credibility to it. Um, it's pro probably what adds the 30 bucks, so they can get a cut too, but... Look, it's not a bad-looking uh, phone. Um, Android 4.2.2, um, Category 4, uh, 4G, uh, 1.2 gig uh, quad-core processor, 5-inch display, gig of RAM, 8 gig of internal memory, 8-megapixel rear-facing, 1.3-megapixel front-facing camera. Um, all the bits and pieces you'd expect. Um, I think you'll find that where it will lack is in that general power and oomph. So, you know, side-by-side, side, apps will launch faster on an LG G3 or a HTC One. Um, that's fine. People don't care about that when they're spending $200 on a phone. They'll get Facebook. They'll get the internet. They'll get social media. They'll get email. They'll get all the things they need in a smartphone. I think the problem is it won't do great photos, and I think that's a challenge because a lot of people are loving photos. So worth a look, though. Check it out at Kogan, kogan.com.au. 
The Kogan Agora, a $229 smartphone. Lots of narcs in the world think it's, you know, not the cheapest, but, jeez, it's $239. There might be one for $199, but it's probably nowhere near as good as this. At that price point, it looks like a damn good phone. Um, well worth checking out. Kogan.com.au. Thank you for listening. Thank you for downloading uh, Your Tech Life. My name's Trevor Long. Jump onto Twitter. Follow us there at Your Tech Life and at Trevor Long. Uh, let's go back to calls. G'day, Dennis. Hey, Trevor. How are you? Good, buddy. What can I do for you? Yeah, I'm willing to find out about any version of Word that you might be able to use on a MacBook. Okay, you bought a MacBook, um, right? Yep. We did, and up until now we've only had Windows computers, which we've had Word for, but my son needs Word because he brings stuff home from school on thumb drives that are in Word format. Yep, right. And he can't read them. Yep. How long ago did you buy the uh, the Mac? Uh, about two months ago. Uh, now, I'm just trying to think, but uh, the the Apple started offering their their suite of software for free for people who bought new computers. Now, um, I think you should be jumping straight into the App Store on your Mac and check whether you can get that. Now, it's called Pages. Um, that's the Apple version of Word, right? If you want to call it that. It's the Apple's Word processor. Now, it will certainly open those files. Um, it will also edit those files. I guess the only issue will be when you save those files, um, you might want to do a couple of tests to see whether the teachers don't have any dramas, whether it doesn't change the format or anything crazy like that. But that that will help you out, and that, that'll do the job. Oh, okay. Yeah, because I didn't know that. Like, And it's totally free. There's actually a word for iPad, but I didn't know if there was one for Now, to be clear, well. word, you can get Office for Mac. I've got, I'm looking at my Mac right now. I've got Word, PowerPoint, Excel, and, and Outlook all installed on my computer. Um, I think it's a couple of years old. It's been a couple of years since they've updated it, but you could walk into an Apple store or probably buy it online, in fact, um, and, and get Office. Now, it's, you know, it's a costly product. It's, uh, I think I paid 300 bucks for Office when I bought this yep. Mac, um, but absolutely 100% a Microsoft product. It's called Word. It is Word. It looks almost the same. You know, the buttons are all the same, but, you know, it's slightly different layout and different stuff like that. But generally, um, very easy to use. And if you wanted the, the complete experience, absolutely you can buy Microsoft Office, including Microsoft Word, for your Mac. Okay, that sounds good. But, you know, at a, as a starting point, I would go to the App Store on the Mac, and I would, uh, the Mac App Store as they call it, and I would download Pages and see whether, firstly, that gets you over the line, and, and then, you know, you don't have to buy it straight away. You can save up for Word and go from there, all right? Okay, thanks, Trevor. Good on you, we'll Dennis. Thank you for getting in touch, buddy. Okay, see ya. And you can get in touch as well. Just go to the website, eftm.com.au. Your Tech Life with Trevor Long. Thank you for listening. Thank you for downloading it. Your Tech Life. If you want to get in touch, go to the website, eftm.com.au. Send me an email. If you've got a question, a problem, anything about technology, uh, feel free to get in touch. Now, I'm going to deviate from a topic that's been discussed quite extensively this week around the, around the traps, the uh, PIN number for credit cards, but it's in the same area. Um, and I wanted to talk to uh, our next guest because um, it is a huge changing space, payments, uh, digital payments, uh, online payments, let alone the innovation that occurs in um, in regular day-to-day transactions that we have over the counter. And uh, Matt Barr is the Head of Market Development and Innovation at MasterCard Australasia, not just Australia, so that's um, that's good. G'day, Matt. How are you, mate? Yeah, good. Thanks, Trevor. Great to be on the show again. Now, listen, um, we, we, it, there's so much to talk about, uh, and I get really interested in this, and 
I, I must say that Commonwealth Bank is where I get a lot of my motivation uh, about this kind of stuff because for some reason, whether it's because they're the people that have got my number or whether uh, they are doing more, they seem to do some really cool things. So I've, I've talked with my listeners about a lot of cool things like, you know, cardless cash and apps changing this and you've got uh, um, uh, PayPass, not PayPass, uh, Master MasterPass. There's a million different things. You've got those little stick-on credit cards for the tap-and-go. Australia's huge on tap-and-go, mm-hmm. but it's also happening in the online space, isn't it? And how does a company like MasterCard keep up? Because MasterCard is, it's a piece of plastic that you have in your wallet. That's what people think. Yes. Well, in many ways, um, a lot of this, a lot of these innovations are coming off the back of like over a decade worth of innovation that's coming out from ourselves and and, um, and through ourselves through a body called EMV Co, which helps create standards around some of these innovations. So, so PayPass, for example, uh, if my memory serves me right, it is about 10 years since that first surfaced as a wow. technology. Wow. And uh, it was adopted as a standard across uh, various schemes, and so PayPass is, is our brand. And, and now um, in Australia, uh, following its first entry into the market, which is about 2006, when CBA first issued a, a PayPass card, um, now every second transaction in Australia is contactless for us every under, under hundred dollars. Yeah. Every second transaction. Every under second transaction. It, it is. It's an unbelievable uh, stat, and it's been. Um, Are we I've world been, leaders there? No, we're, we're undeniably world leaders in terms of penetration of contactless payments, and there's a whole bunch of, of different reasons for it. I think at the guts of it, though, it's just a fantastic customer experience. So consumers it love it. Merchants love it. It's fantastic for productivity. Um, it's, it's, it's secure. It's convenient. And if you get those two things right, then, um, as we've seen, it, it, it really takes off. And, and that sets the groundwork for a whole bunch of other innovation which will, which will land on top of of the, that contactless um, infrastructure that's out there. So that takes us to mobile NFC payments and, and then into to, to online click-and-go payments where, as we talked about last time, is it's look at our vision for uh, consumers or the consumer experience. It's a single bank relationship you have which enables you to tap-and-go in-store and click-and-go online right. to that same relationship. And, and you're seeing components of it today. And I think in the medium term, not too distant future, you'll see that come together in that converged way. So it's very exciting. Have people, have consumers become okay with the idea of just having so many things, whether it's cards, accounts, payment options, that that we've become, they've become too many. And therefore, you know, if you put your crystal ball in front of you and say in five years from now, people want one um, and so I think about it in my life I like to think it's pretty simple but it's not you know we've got a couple of de- debit accounts uh, we try and manage those because we like to think of one of as our shopping account um, so that we can keep a track of how we're going budget wise um, we don't we, we didn't have a credit card but I've just got a, a credit card for mainly for reward point earning right um, and then we've you know got a PayPal account so I guess that's really the extent of our our digital life but it would be easier if it was just all one place, one account, one set of rules, one sort of password, one one balance to remember. Is that where we're going, or is it just more of a rationalisation of, of people's kind of payment world? Oh, look, I think the, I mean, there's certainly a tremendous amount of innovation occurring. I think for success in the long run, I think it's got to come together and be simple. Yeah. Uh, from our perspective, um, it's really up to a consumer to choose if they want uh, uh, a debit 
type of um, banking arrangement, so they're straight out of your transaction and savings account, or actually a credit card is, is good because they like the points and the and the you know the, the extra insurance and other benefits that come with that kind of program. So really, that's just choice. So in the end, the experience we want to help uh, facilitate is one where regardless of, of that choice, there's a very simple in-store and online and in-app experience, payment experience for that matter. Because um, <clears throat> I think in the end if you make that, make that really simple, then that's what's going to drive adoption. So in many ways these kind of cloud-based checkouts, separate from plastic, separate from the phone, that's all going to come together into one experience. So for the consumers and for merchants, uh, we, we know we're seeing tremendous amounts of innovation occurring around different purchasing experiences. So it's either online pickup and store, or it's obviously in store and it's contactless because that's more convenient, more yeah. productive for, for merchants. And but we're also another experience with in-aisle checkouts and, and all of these different uh, concepts. Again, it needs to be very simple. So you know, if merchants are creating options on the consumer side. We want to make it a really simple, you know, si single relationship with your main bank that allows you to have these these different interactions where you're shopping regardless of, of where you're shopping. And how difficult is it for MasterPass, for example, to break through? And it sounds weird for me, and you'll probably disagree, but it sounds weird for me to say break through in the online payment space because uh, if I think of the – I don't do a lot of online shopping, but when I do, I feel like I get the option of credit card or PayPal. And, mm. and you know, credit card is, you know, you pull out your MasterCard, you put in the details. And what you're saying is that, you know, the future of, of MasterPass is it's it's as simple as, you know, a, a username and a password in the, in the PayPal example without having to find your wallet, bring it out and all those kind of things. But isn't the merchant uh, situation difficult because that, that, that is going to change the the design. People are going to need to redevelop their websites to have multiple payment mechanisms other than just either just credit card or credit card and maybe one other. Oh look! In, oh, excuse me. Look, in the end, it's going to come back to obviously merchant choice around what checkout options they they want to offer. But I would I would argue that the way that uh, online digital shopping occurs today, if you think about uh, shopping with plastic and having to type in lots of details, mm. um, is is suboptimal. There are much more much better experience, much more efficient, productive ways for merchants to. I guess get someone for who's decided I'd like to purchase this to get into the point where the transaction's been approved, mm. that, then filling in all those details, and that's really the problem we're, we're trying to solve. What and what uh, so we can improve um, the efficiency of the checkout experience through using platforms like like MasterPass, and merchants will probably have different options because we they know from hmm. we know from experience that from a merchant's perspective, more options, you know, different customers have have make different choices. So mm. if they offer more options, they're more likely to to get paid. Now, obviously, part of the game over time is how do we create uh, or get to a, a place where MasterPass is the preferred way to pay. Mm -hmm. And and I think about the journey we went on with with contactless, um, and, and think then that's going to inform what's going to happen with with MasterPass. So first, it was contactless. We had to prove the technology and get it in place, really get the foundations built. And then we had to once we got to a point and a logical point around that, we started marketing the service, and that took about three years actually. Mm. Uh, in the digital space, it'll go much faster, but but you still had to go through that phase. And then we educated people on what PayPass was, and and it, there's this new service you can tap and pay, and this is it's new. And and then you got to a point where where Woolworths and Coles were really the tipping point for becoming really mainstream and endorsed and 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 popular. And, and that happened in in 2012. And now here we are today, and we're every second transaction is contactless, and month on month we're still seeing 
you know, further penetration of, of, of card payments and cash payments, that, for that matter, with, with contactless. So MasterPass will, will go on a similar journey. We've really just been working on getting the foundations in place, and we're about to embark on sort of the awareness and education. Um, so, so today, uh, just to bring you up to date with what we've got to, um, so we have CBA, NAB, Bendigo and Bank West have all um, launched MasterPass powered wallets. So those are wallets from those banks that are, you know, that's where the, we think Australians want to have their digital payments relationships. Mm -hmm. So that's half of Australia covered then yeah. through those banks. And then on the merchant side, we've got um, a really nice um, uh, portfolio of major brands that are working with us. So we've got Oldsail, we've got the Iconic, Fish Ponds Air, Buy Invite, Jeans West, Zuji, Webjet, Event Cinemas, Wilson Parking, Chemist Warehouse, Menu Log, to name a few. But we're also on more than 1,000 merchants in total in Australia yeah. through, through working with over 20 different technology partners that host different merchants. So once we come out and actually explain to Australians what MasterPass is and, and the benefits of that versus other options, you know, we're confident this is going to scale pretty quickly. So, so sell, sell, me, times. sell me on MasterPass. I'm uh, I'm on. I don't know why, but I'm on the Roxy website. I've never been there before in my life. But it was oh, on. Roxy's your, got it. Yeah. It was on yours. I clicked through it on yours, and uh, yeah. and it is very simple. You add stuff to your cart. You go to checkout, and like I explained earlier, you've got the option to put in a credit card, mm. click click to pay by PayPal, or, or in the exact same form, click to pay by MasterPass. Now, yep. two two things. Um, uh, and don't hang up on me here, right? <laughs> I don't, I don't have a MasterCard. Right now, why would I ring my bank? And let's unfortunately, my bank's not one of the ones you mentioned, but they'll come on board, I'm sure. When when my bank does have MasterPass, um, most banks, I'm pretty sure, allow you to choose Visa or Mastercard as your credit debit provider. Um, you basically just it's just a tick box, really. Mm. So mm. let's say I've done that with my bank, and I've got in my kicker, I've got a debit Mastercard because I like debit; it's my money. Why? But I've also got a PayPal account. I don't keep money in it. It's just a method of transaction that direct debits from my account. So same thing. It's direct debit in my in my book. Why, when I go payment method, why am I choosing MasterPass? What? How do you sell me on that at that last hurdle? Um, so uh, f first one, and, and this may surprise you that I'm going to say this, but within the MasterPass, the wallet. So in the end, it's actually not our our wallet. It's our infrastructure that we're letting. Um, uh, NAB or, or Bankwest or Bendigo yep. use and, and CBA has actually built their own wallet and they've connected it to we've got an API to use a technical term that they can then use their wallet to check out on our acceptance network okay. so we're obviously MasterPass so ah, right. you can but any major card um, issued online uh, can be loaded into these wallets right. so if quite theoretically quite possibly someone could pick up a NAB a NAB MasterPass wallet and load it up with visas and Amexes and shop wherever they see MasterPass. So it's not MasterCard only. And that's really important because yeah. Australians don't have just MasterCard cards in their wallets. We know that. But merchants accept lots of other cards, and we know that mm. too. So for a, <clears throat> from a digital payments perspective, we have to be open architecture is the, the language we use. So we think that's really important because otherwise you're actually creating problems, not, not solving them. So from our perspective, it's a, it's a bank-issued uh, wallet. It's from your main bank, and it can let you store all of the cards you, you, know, you receive from that bank. Yeah, and so my, my next step after I choose MasterPass is, is basically through your, your back end, I'm then choosing which card out of my wallet to use. Correct. And well, you did one as a default, and, you know, and once we get into some of these single-click checkouts, then 
you know, it's, it, it becomes even faster. But yeah, you can, through that checkout process, you can change what card you'd like to check out with. Importantly, the merchant always stays in control of what cards they accept. Well, I was just so, going to say, yeah, so that doesn't change for the merchant, though, because if a merchant doesn't accept American Express, if there's an American Express in my MasterPass wallet, still doesn't make them accept it because they've got correct. the same it just, dramas. Correct, it gets suppressed. So the merchant, and critically, and that's obviously very important, the merchant stays in control of what cards they accept and also where they ship, for example. So you can put load multiple addresses into your wallet. Mm-hmm. You might want to send it to your sister's place, your workplace, wherever it might be. But if they don't ship outside of uh, Australia, then your holiday home in New Zealand, you can't ship goods to there. But if you're using your your NAB MasterPass wallet and you're shopping in New Zealand, you can you can definitely uh, do that. It's globally interoperable with over 40,000 merchants today. So, um, and that's really important. So we're, I, mean, I guess, like a few others, but not like everyone, it's, it's a global, um, consistent, secure network. Um, so that's important because that's how Australians shop. They don't just shop online in Australia. They, they shop in the US and the UK and many other countries. And your job is to be the guy that knows the future. You... You, if we talk in in two years from now, you feel comfortable that we'll be talking about MasterPass in the same way that we talk about Tap and Go as a just a by a default standard or a way that people purchase things. Oh, I'd certainly like to think so. Uh, I think it's my job to kind of create uh, that future and, and accelerate us towards it. It's uh, look if we look at what happened with with contactless. Uh, we know Australians today. Uh, familiar with digital wallets. Uh, they've never had a choice today to have it from their main bank, and the research tells us that actually if they had that choice, they would prefer to have uh, that digital wallet from their main bank. So, you know, we're, we're really confident in the, the, I guess, the choices we've made around how we've built this service, and we've got the, the foundations in place to, to really scale it up. So I'd, I'd love to think when we come back a couple of years and have a chat about it that, yeah, we're talking about every second transaction online coming from MasterPass. It's, it's probably a bit of a stretch, but but I'm up for that challenge. So. I'll, I'll ring your boss and put it in one of your KPIs, mate, for a two years away. <laughs> very good. Oh, that's very good. It's very interesting. Uh, you, you've got one of those jobs that uh, must be exciting every day, and uh, you've also got one of those jobs where you probably know about cool things that are coming that we can't even talk about. But uh, next time we talk, you'll probably share some of that with us as well. I look forward to it. Good on you, Matt. Thanks for the chat. Okay, thanks, Trevor. Cheers. Bye. All right, I'm losing my voice. I don't know why. Uh, I could be getting sick. The kids have been sick for a week or a month, and oh, it's been terrible. Uh, <laughs> thanks for listening. Thanks for downloading. As I said earlier, golf, if you want to join me, you've got to let me know. I'm not going to organize it unless there's people coming. I'm afraid of doing things and being let down. <laughs> so I don't launch a big thing online and then find loyal people like you aren't there. So if you want to come, let me know, and then I'll launch it. And we'll get it happening. If you want to play golf, tweet me at Trevor Long. What was the hashtag? Let's play golf. Uh, thank you for listening. Thank you for downloading. Next week, um, we have a very, very interesting uh, interview with a company that run a, um, a system, a service online that you would have used, but I bet you didn't know they, they have offices around the world. Very interesting. That's next week on Your Tech Life. Thank you for listening. Thank you for downloading. Talk to you next week. Your Tech Life with Trevor Long.